So rest in peace, Meatloaf. Pretty good album. Soundtrack of the youth, right? Anyway, welcome to uh, the week 13 MHL review and whatever week we are in the MPL. It's so hard to figure that out given all the games that have been canceled or getting rescheduled. But anyway, let's go. So if you want to jump into hockey, I have a new uh, a new unexpected feature that I had to put together uh, right before the podcast, if you want to hear it. Sounds like a good place to start. Shenanigan alert. Shenanigan alert. Toronto No Hockey traded their second round pick in the upcoming draft to the Philadelphia Floppers nine months after they traded that pick to the freezer burn. They then tried to correct that by giving the Floppers their first round pick, which they had previously traded to the Angola fart machine. End of shenanigan alert. End of shenanigan alert. <laughs> I told him he was going to give us a bunch of good fodder on that one. That's good. How long did it take you to write that one? Not too bad. It took longer to go back and I had to, you know, when I saw the trade and then went to update the sheet for next year's draft, I'm like, oh, crap. He already traded the pick away. And so then I had to go back and try to find, make sure I had the sheet right because there were so many trades. <laughs> on between all the COVID stuff and draft picks. And, uh, but yeah, I went back and found that, that he had traded Shifley. If he either traded Shifley for Tavares or the opposite, um, with, uh, Jason and gave Jason his second round pick. So that was pretty funny. So he doesn't have a first round pick next year either. Or a second. Yep. Wow. So. Oh, you got to give us the update now, given that we're talking about him. Okay, here you go. And now, this week's Toronto No Hockey Transaction Tracker. The count is at 49. This number includes the league office's adjustments to solve the shenanigan issues. <laughs> Great. I'm actually, I, I thought he was going to be way up above 50, but all right. all right. Well, let's do the money thing, and then we can get into actually talking about hockey. The Moon Hockey League weekly money winners this week was the Carolina Kamloops with 37.2 points. Second place money went to the improperly named Moncton Fruit Loops with a score of 33.4. It's a win, big win by the Kamloops. Yeah. They're tied for first now, right? They are. Jenga time sweating. He's sweating so bad he's not even on the podcast. <laughs> he's coming, he says. That's, that's why he's late. He wants to get through all this first. Brad is out with COVID, by the way. Oh, he's got it too. (laughs) Yeah. Sweeping through the MHL. (laughs) Hold on. We all got This is the Moon Hockey League COVID infectee tracker. The Mike T. Half of Les Nordiques have tied Jenga time with two known bouts with the virus. Brie de La Fontaine is also on the board. So there we go. Getting them all out of the way fast. So you're feeling all right, Dave? Oh, yeah, I'm good. It's my first beer in a week and a half. Wow. Can you taste it? That's <laughs> <laughs> stellar trois. It's not really. There, all right, there we go. Uh, I never had the whole taste, loss of smell business. Yeah, I, think the, I think the Omicron doesn't have the, that side effect as much as the other one. Yeah. That's what I'd heard, too. So I want to point out something, if I may, and I know I talk too much, but Lenore Deek at 312 points, <laughs> more than anybody else in the butt end division, and we're in last place. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, was that out loud? But, but we, we were happy that we just had our third third loss of the season by less than one point. Yeah. 
I'm officially. <laughs> <laughs> I got a drink out of my cup. <laughs> I'm officially in the lead for the uh, team change name change. I, I'm looking forward to be called the Brie de la Fontaine Warthogs. <laughs> oh, are you in prime position right now? Yeah. I am in good position. Yeah. Nice. And you're playing me this week, so you get a chance to feel the Brie all over you. It would be nice to actually beat you and still, and still get have to take your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a game and a half back, right? At three. Well, no, you're a game. Well, no, half game back of uh, the lefties and the floppers. It's eh, still a chance. Yep. As soon, as soon as I get rid of my best players, I'll, I'll make my cup run. It'll be awesome. So Andy well, took the lead in scoring. Yeah, I want the floppers to get the Bree name. I think you'll appreciate it the most. So Andy, Tim. Andy's the number one scoring team in the league now. Dave, he passed you by what five points? He's uh, on fire. Yep, Jenga time is uh, in big trouble now. Yeah. And Rap Patrol took a two-game lead over the Wheat Kings in their division, yep. so that's a, that was a big win on a four-game winning streak. So there are no rats up anyone's ass. They're they're up top. Shitting on people's heads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's like we need a sound effect. <laughs> Jack, are the are the two divisions, are they in order of the conferences? Yeah, okay. so that what you see there are is unnamed conference A. Okay. Yep. So you're uh three games back of the wild card. Yeah. Yep. And there are how many to go? Like six, yeah. seven games? Yeah. Well, it depends yeah. on how the poll. Some brave person voted to uh, become commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it was Chris. Yeah, probably. One. Got one vote. Just uh, leave it alone. Hasn't gotten to the majority yet, so who knows? Oh, I didn't vote. I'll vote now. Evan Bouchard is in a Add drop again. Holy cow. Well, I had to, yeah, because of the shenanigan thing, I had to go in and reverse trades and then reverse the pickups that followed the trades. Um, and then looks like as soon as I did that, Toronto no hockey went in. So this pickup uh, for this Grizelzik, whatever you pronounce that guy's name, for Dobson, that was not part of the 49. So he's at 50 now. <laughs> so 74 still possible. So that trade did not happen then. There was no trade. There was no trade, right, because it was just a player for the draft pick, and the draft pick was already Jason's. So. Yeah. And I guess the floppers won't take a third-round pick? <laughs> it looked like, yeah, it was, it was so funny when, cause when, I, when, there was, when I sent them both the email saying, yeah, I, can't, I don't think that one works. I need to go back and look. But, I, Sean, I think you already traded that pick away, and then I went back in, back in April of last year is when that deal happened. Um, and then he immediately replied by, well, since I fucked up, I'll give Dave my first round pick. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have any other draft picks? Uh, yeah, he's got everything past second. Okay. Uh, so I, I actually need to do that. I need to shoot that out to everybody. So that I think there were four trades involving that are in, involving picks in the upcoming draft that were made way back in the flurry of last year. So. And I got the Nordigs first and second round picks next year. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Next year? That that, that doesn't sound quite right. No. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. No. More shenanigans. Yeah. No. Not unless you're getting a solo somehow. <laughs> oh, Mike, you shouldn't have gone there because I've got such a fantastic oh. solo one. All right. We're going right there because it's so funny. Mike T's Mohamed Salah regret of the week. يروح في الجنب الشمال يمرر كورة عمر مرموش يلعبها في العمق استلام من تريزيجيه تريزيجيه يفكر يسدد عمر السلية يلعب على طول كورة في اتجاه محمد صلاح هيا 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 فرحة مصر هيا فرحة مصر هيا فرحة مصر عمر السلية ومحمد صلاح بعد صيام ست مباريات عن التسجيل يفتتح التسجيل ويعلن عن التقدم المصري في هذه اللحظات أمامنا هنا نو صلاح نجم مصر ونجم ليفربول وفخر مصر وفخر العرب يسجل يا على اللمسة الجميلة ويا على الكرة اللي عطاير وتمرينة حلوة حلوة كرة قوي عمر السلية اللي عمل تمرينة رائعة الحقيقة ومحمد صلاح يا 
Did what? he drop an F bomb in somewhere? I cannot understand their Scottish accents. <laughs> I'm assuming, <laughs> hey, 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 is go, go, go. I don't know. We'll start taking Arabic lessons, was, I suppose. Was, uh, that's from the African Cup? Yeah, that was against Guinea, whatever. Less. <laughs> I had it ready for last week's podcast. It didn't happen. <laughs> the Egyptian magician. What, what language was that? It sounded like a mix of French and Moroccan. Yeah, or like Belarus or something. <laughs> I would think Egypt speaks Arabic, right? <laughs> Don't they speak Egyptian? Don't think Walk so. like an Egyptian. So. Hey, Glenn's here. Hey, Glenn's Hi, here. Glenn. What's up, guys? How's it feel Glenn? to be in second place, Glenn? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> he barely got in his seat. <laughs> well, I, I did. I missed that. What happened? Uh, Andy's passed you in the standings. Yeah, I know. His team's better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already ready to throw in the towel. Well, don't throw in the towel with Toronto no hockey. They don't have any good drafts. <laughs> yeah. You have to listen to the podcast to catch the, the beginnings <laughs> flurry of uh, sound bites. All right. Jack, Jack, I'm drinking one of your Churchills here with Zach. Oh, nice. Is it uh, the 14 percenter? Because that could get fun later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Nice. Zach's not <laughs> back at school yet? What's that? Zach's not back at school yet? No, nah, he goes back Tuesday. He's watching a football game, and I said, hey, I need some help drinking this one. <laughs> How old? So he's uh, he's. A month, a month away from 21, so. There you go. All right. Hey, Glenn, did your daughter pick a college yet? She has not. Damn it. I will let, I'll be the first to let you know, Dave. It, is it still like Clemson versus Tennessee? Uh, well, that's, she's waiting here at Clemson and North Carolina State. That's the two she's – They. I don't know why they tell them so late. They tell them like mid-February or something. Where does your son go? Uh, University of Scranton. Okay. Cobains are off to a fast start. I made mention of that, but I kind of uh, don't think you heard it. Well, we heard it just a little bit, not as good as we just heard that. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying because I was, I was kind of rooting for Wheeler. Go. Uh, I was happy with the result of the Wheeler goal and assist. Yeah, you got it. It's, uh, it's prime Wheeler trade time. This is about when he always gets traded, right? We had that conversation, I think, some podcast way back when. The uh, Wheeler is always a pickup for the playoff push. I wanted him to be on everyone's roster throughout the year. Like, everyone would get Blake Wheeler for one week. Oh, we were doing that with Carlson last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And he's good this year. So, I'm assuming, Dave, did you talk about your COVID challenge? Did you, you survive it? I had it. I survived it. Is this round two? So you're now officially tied with me? Uh, so the first time I went through it wasn't a – I mean, I, I was never diagnosed with it, but it was the exact same thing that I went through this time. So I'm pretty sure I had it the first time too. When was that? December of 2019. Oh, okay. Wow, we're, almost, we're almost on the same schedule. Well, you have been the first case ever, right? Yeah, yeah I was going to say 19. Patient oh, zero. Into the country oh, 19. Oh, 19. Okay. Yeah, it was pre-COVID. I, I just thought I had a really nasty virus, and it knocked me out for weeks. It was bad. This one was like 50% as bad. Did you just travel to China <laughs> for that, or what? He brought that I one back in, from Florida. Yeah, we, me and Pat were in Orlando at the golf tournament. I came back, and five days later, it hit me. Hmm. So maybe at the airport? I don't know. John Daly. I'm sure it was Daly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, this one really hit you hard, though? I mean, this one hit you? Um, I wouldn't say hard. It was um, – I had a couple of days where, you know, like wild temperature swings, hot and cold, and uh, really nasty cough, like a sore throat for probably four or five days. And uh, – yeah, I mean, it was it was like a bad cold. You were patient zero. Holy shit. Pat, you got sick then too, didn't you, after that I did, trip? I did not. Danielle got sick. She was sick before COVID existed, but she had that same thing you did, and she lost her taste and smell, and she was she had that same, same cold, and that would have been in early January of 2020 before wow. COVID was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
I never had anything wipe me out like that the first time around. So I don't know if I had it, but it sure felt like the same experience this time, just not as bad. This go round for me was, it was literally like two or three days of scratchy throat. That was it. That's what Patty had. So Mike, you're, you're in number two, right? So you just, right. So we're tied. Yeah. Yeah. It's a race to the next variant then. We should yeah. all have our antibodies tested to see who has the highest <laughs> antibody. Level. I got to believe Kip's got the highest antibodies. <laughs> yeah, Kip's say, had Kip's it five probably. times by now. <laughs> have you had it, Kip? Not that I know of. <laughs> I did have a nasty thing a couple months ago, but I tested myself. It was negative, but I'm sure I probably was still positive. Did, have you gotten all the boot? Like you've done everything first two and then the booster? Yes. Are you Moderna or Pfizer? Uh, Pfizer, all the way. Go Pfizer. <laughs> Go Pfizer. <laughs> like a vaccine. I followed my. Uh, I followed our league doctor's orders and went Pfizer myself. Say, do you have uh, you have stock in Pfizer? No, but I'm getting bigger and bigger every time. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to the ER, do you just like chug another booster? Yeah. something like that <laughs> we, we have like um these covid strips as we walk in we just tap it and then we just kind of build up antibodies each time <laughs> i am scheduled for my review i think it's my my blood test in about three weeks so i'll, I'll let you know what the number comes back at yeah okay well since we're talking all this medical any, you, you've not been vaxxed or boosted right I have not. I've taken the natural side. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we're doing all this medical stuff, are we ready for Dr. Hogg? It's a very yeah. exciting session this week. Welcome to Trust Me. This won't hurt at all with Dr. Hogg. This week, Dr. Hogg will teach us how to perform a pericardiosynthesis. And legally, I have to say a disclaimer here is do not listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe may wrong. <laughs> All right. So, so yes, today's topic will be pericardiosynthesis. Um, and first question: Does anybody know what that is? Something with the heart. Good. I like it. So we break down the word peri, <laughs> which means around. Cardio, which means heart. So around the heart. Synthesis is more of just like aspirating or taking fluid out. Uh, so basically, it's removal of fluid around the heart. So there's a sac around the heart called the pericardium. And within that pericardium is a little bit of fluid to help the heart beat and not have so much friction. Um, so the problem with... Um, that fluid in there, sometimes it can build up to create a lot of pressure inside that sac. And if it becomes too much pressure, it, the heart cannot beat and pump effectively. So then you have what's called pericardial tamponade. And that's when you have the emergent procedure for pericardiosynthesis. You can also do it as a non-emergent procedure if you're testing that fluid for infection or cancer. Um, so it also can be done as a non-emergent procedure, but we like to, we do the emergency stuff here. So we're going to talk about the tamponade. And this is very similar to the Pulp Fiction sort of <laughs> procedure that we saw. Although, you know, when Vincent Vega stuck Uma Thurman, that was more though to give a medication to the heart rather than taking fluid out. So a little bit different, but kind of the uh, similar approach. Um, yeah, you can move on next slide. You can get, as you can see, the slideshow is from, um, I think, Mo Salah's brother. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> Faisal. 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 <laughs> and we have all the copyright protections for this, so YouTube won't take this down. <laughs> All right, um, ejectives, we can move on. We can move past that. So, synthesis. Oh, there we go. We got pictures. Um, you know, Dave, basically, it's a procedure where you take fluid out of the sack. 
Um, and like I said, if there's a tamponade, just taking a little bit of fluid out of there may restore that functional ability of the heart to pump. Next slide, please. All right. Um, that's the tamponade. That's, uh, you can tell there's a lot of fluid buildup around the heart sac. And like I said, basically it decreases the efficiency of the pumping of the heart. The symptoms, uh, you know, basically um, the muffled heart sound. So you, the, you, when you listen to the, the heartbeat with the stethoscope, you can feel nice. You can hear the nice um, sound that the heart makes. It's kind of muffled. Exactly. They may not hear that real well. JVD is just called jugular venous distension. So when your neck veins, kind of like maybe Bruce Springsteen when he sings, you can see those, those big old pipes. That's JVD. And then uh, hypotension just means a low blood pressure. So what's next Beck, slide, What's Beck's triad? I got that That's, album. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Beck's triad, yeah. Um, no, it's basically those three symptoms all together. Oh, okay. So if you have all those three symptoms, it's called the triad, Beck's triad. So, uh, Kip, if I may. Yeah what kind of fluid are we talking about? Like how does fluid get into that area of the heart and what is the actual fluid? That's a great question, Mike. I really appreciate that. So the fluid is either going to be blood, typically in trauma. Um, it could also be just an inflammatory response to some sort of infection. So it could be um, just like, you know, like if you like joint fluid, uh, synovial fluid, um, it could be infection. So it could be like pus um, and it could be like cancer cells and, and uh, other types of fluid. And just to be clear, it could never be like beer. Right? <laughs> well, it um, could be, right? I'd, I'd say probably not. I mean, I, you know, I can't 100% say for sure that there may not be beer in there, but probably not. And I wonder if Mike has a best kind of beer to be around your heart sack. <laughs> too hearted. <laughs> wow. Well nice call. Well, too hearted. It's a good beer. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, as you can see on this chest x-ray, you can see that this white structure in the middle is this big baggy heart. And uh, typically on an x-ray, the heart's about half the size of the chest. Um, so you can see this is almost twice the size of, of the chest. This x-ray looks uh, the exact same as Dave McGreen's broken arm to me. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, that heart looks obese, can a heart be obese? Well, I mean, technically, I guess you could call it obese. Um, I would, we call it enlarged or enlarged heart. Um, but was that to protect their feelings? <laughs> yeah, it's probably politically correct. I agree. It's part of the DEI, DEI initiative there, Dave. <laughs> well, cardiologists. <laughs> wow. All right. That's a lot so, of writing so, and big words there. Yeah. So these are some of the causes of the pericardial fusion. So uh, malignant or cancerous types of things. Idiopathic just means we don't know. What does etiology mean? <laughs> Etiology? Yeah. That just means the causes or okay. the different types of causes. Um, infectious, we talked about that a little bit. Anticoagulation is just when your blood is thin. So you may get to the point where there can be some bleeding in that sac. And since your blood is thinned or, or doesn't coagulate, it's going to keep building up. Um, tamponade, um, like these are other just different types of possibilities with uh getting the, the pericardial fluid in there so were Drugs, people that were really suffering from um covid were they getting some of this because there was talk about that stuff coming out of their lungs into their bloodstream right yeah not not too much of this pericardial fluid um a lot of pulmonary embolisms um okay. which uh, were more common with covid19 and and just pneumonia itself um but we'll we'll have to do a segment on that later, maybe a, a COVID yeah. episode at some point. Next slide, please. It, can't you get a tamponade in a really fancy restaurant? Um, 
or bathroom. Uh, yeah, women's French room. restaurants, women's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I guess that could happen. <laughs> Sorry. That's a good question, Dave. I, I appreciate that. There are no bad questions. There are no bad questions. The only bad question is the one not asked. Prior to the, okay, so a lot of times you can use an ultrasound or an echocardiogram to kind of help diagnose that if you don't have that obvious Bex triad, um, you can uh, use an ultrasound to visualize that fluid. So Jenny and I started watching ER from the beginning. Should I be getting a blood gas at this point? Um, a blood gas possibly would help, but unfortunately, if this patient has tamponade, you want to stick that needle in there as fast as possible. Okay. Blood gas won't help you, so you want to move quicker. Um, th- when they talk about receiving anticoagulants and discontinuing those, they, for pericardiostentesis, that's for a non-emergent procedure. If you're trying to just diagnose what that fluid is, um, you would want them to stop their anticoagulations before that. So as you're introducing that needle into the heart sac, you don't want to cause more damage than good if they already have thin blood. Kip, if we're performing this procedure, won't we cause more damage than good? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you follow my directions, you probably will do it safely, but. Okay. Well, the point I'm of the lesson sure is that we'll do, we'll do more damage, so but less damage right. than we would have done without these lessons, right? Correct. I mean, and Kip, honestly, to that point, you know, because we're talking about the heart here. It, it's a pretty sensitive uh, organ. So if you fuck this up, you're probably going to kill somebody, right? So if you're doing it for tamponade and somebody is, you know, crashing and burning, you're, you, it's kind of like, a, again, maybe a last-ditch effort. So you might be able to, you know, um, save their life by taking that fluid out, let the heart start pumping again. If you're doing it on your friends and they're, they don't have pericardial tamponade and you stick this into their heart and draw fluid out, you're probably not going to have a good outcome. <laughs> Fair enough. Good. Next slide. Uh, okay, description of the procedure. So typically we use ultrasound or cell to help guide the needle into the right location. Um, obviously sterilizing the skin if you can. And a pretty large needle is used. Um, this one, they recommend a three inch needle, but basically anything you can find um, will be good, especially so in a emergent procedure. This, this is similar to the Pulp Fiction scene, that size needle? Yeah, yeah pretty good. They, they probably had a little bigger one than you need, but I think that one would work. It's Tarantino. Yeah, it's all Hollywood. Next slide. Kip, they, Kip, they say the patient should be in the supine position. I'm not familiar with that one. Is that like doggy supine. style? Is that the <laughs> name for doggy style? <laughs> no, that would be opposite. So... Um, okay. It would be more like missionary style. So you want to be. Oh, why don't they just call it missionary? Well, <laughs> but yeah, laying on your back is the procedure. Obviously, you don't want to enter their chest from the backside. <laughs> Cle- not- Clearly, is Patty is not familiar with the supine. <laughs> Boy, I shouldn't have got up for a beer at that moment. That's. <laughs> Some good stuff. <laughs> so these are the uh, different landmarks um, that you can use to uh, to place the needle. Um, typically, the subsiphoid uh, location is probably the best. And basically, they talk about you know directing the needle towards the, the left shoulder um, in about a thirty degree angle and you just kind of put the needle in and you start to aspirate which means pull back on the plunger as you're kind of advancing the needle and you want to advance that very slowly not like the vincent vega approach but um and just kind of pull back and just start removing that fluid and as you as you do that then the patient's blood pressure should improve they should start to become more awake they may jump up out of their skin like 
and what Thurman did <laughs> and say, whoa, what was that? No. So next slide. So, Kip, you say the sub fold approach. I mean, I know what that means, but what for the other guys, what does that mean? <laughs> Ask me for a friend. <laughs> yes, the sub see, oh, the yeah, little, lifeline on that one. The little tip of the sternum, you see that little thing? Yeah, right there. there? Yeah, that's, it's like that's, a tail. Yeah, that's the xiphoid process. So sub would be below that. Oh. So if you look at that little black dot just to the to the right, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, look, that would be the one, yes. That would be the one you would want to go and angle that towards the, the patient's shoulder at a 30-degree angle. So can you feel that little? Uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Everybody, everybody, start oh, feeling your xiphoid. You're making me sick. You know, go, go down <laughs> your sternum, and then you can feel that little tip right there. You feel it? Yeah. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Cool. This is the best ever. When you do a Heimlich maneuver, aren't you supposed to put your hands there? That's actually good. That's great, Dave. That is actually right where you want to be. Just below that Fucking is the teacher's called the pet. And that's where you would press on a Heimlich. Suck it, Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Glenn, why would he say that? What'd they do to that dude? <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> cut his head off. Yeah, I don't He's got more problems than just his heart. <laughs> yeah, I think the periocarditis is a little late. <laughs> <laughs> Your head falls off if you don't get it done. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I think the top is the molly hatchet, right? <laughs> this is in Chris's cabin. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the procedure will help this guy at all. <laughs> but at least, at least it'll give us experience, though. Yeah, it gives you good landmarks there with some some actual anatomy there. Next slide. And just as we talked about earlier, just kind of advance the needle in, start aspirating. We have to wear a suit. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, this guy is not a doctor. His and hand looks as fake as the uh, the doll does. This is this is how they do it in Morocco. It's got some weird wrinkles. Kip, how far do you push it in there? Do you feel like a resistance or? Well, that's what that's like I said, as you advance the needle, you're going to aspirate. So you're going to keep going in until you hit blood or oil or, you know, <laughs> beer <laughs> or beer. Good. Okay. His, his nipples are weird. That's all I can say. Stop when the L, stop when the L starts coming. It's kind of weird that you're. The goal is that when you start to see blood, you, I feel like you're going to get that anyway, <laughs> whether you hit your mark or not. Yeah, you, and that's a good question, too, because you want to take that fluid out of that pericardial sac, which is probably going to be bloody, most yes. likely. Um, and then if you go into the heart, actually penetrate into the heart itself, obviously you're going to get blood as well. Yeah. So are, are we talking like an ounce are we talking two ounces? Is it like? It depends on how much is in there. Um, but, you know, it, and you take out as much as you need to, to help let that heart pump again effectively. So it could, it could be that whole syringe full, or it could be just a little bit, maybe half of it. Yeah. And if there's a lot of fluid in there, what you would do with that needle is you actually leave that there's like a catheter over top of the needle you would leave that in place and then you could just continue to drain it periodically put like a little stopcock on it and then sometimes what a cardiothoracic surgeon would do is called a pericardial window so if it, that fluid is going to just continue to reaccumulate over and over again they'll just make a little incision and make a little opening and open up that cardiac sac so it'll just instead of building up in that sack every time it'll just kind of leak out and won't cause any tamponade and then uh next slide yeah um yeah, after the procedure just yeah pray um <laughs> that you don't get sued <laughs> and then you can get yeah test the fluid next slide don't do a video that might show up on a hockey podcast 
<laughs> oh, there's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, the risk and complications. So, yeah, you could kill them. Cardiac arrest. <laughs> um, so, will all of these bullet points lead to death? Um, pretty much. Um, yeah, MI, heart attacks. Um, sometimes you stick that needle into the, the muscle. You can put the heart into an abnormal rhythm, uh, ventricular tachycardia. You could lacerate the heart muscle. So, obviously, you can do some pretty damage, pretty good damage to that. You could puncture a coronary artery. Um, other organs, you can put it in the wrong spot, maybe aspirate the liver, stomach. Um, so if you go 30 could, degrees the wrong way from that little pointy right. thing, <laughs> yeah. it's a problem. Pretty yeah. sensitive in there, eh? Yeah. And you could damage the lung um, as well. So next slide. Tips. All right. <laughs> this pretty much says right here, don't do this on your friend. There's nothing in here that says do this on your friend. Um, and that's, that's it. I think we also have a video, don't we? I don't have the video. Oh, okay. I can Jack, find can it. Back? I can. Oh, shit. All right. Wait, hold on a second. I'm sorry. I, there was like there was a bullet point a couple back that struck me. The next one back. Pericardical tamponade often results in sudden cardiac arrest. So be prepared to immediately apply this therapy when indicated. What does that mean, Kim? So, so yeah, so when someone's having the pericardial tamponade um, and their heart's not going to pump real well, they're going to probably go into cardiac arrest. So if you have somebody that comes in that's in a cardiac arrest and let's say they have Bex triad and you're not sure why they're in cardiac arrest, you're, so sometimes what we'll do is we'll stick a needle into the chest just to see if there's any fluid. Now, obviously we have capability now with having bedside ultrasound in the ERs. Um, many, many, you know, years ago, we didn't have the bedside ultrasound. So you can put this ultrasound probe on there and actually see that they have a tamponade and then you can do the, you know, solve it. If you don't have the ultrasound available, um, you could actually just take a needle and just, if you, if you suspect it, you could put the needle in there and just try to aspirate any fluid, see what happens. How often have you had to do this procedure? I've done this one twice. So How, often do, not very How often do you think we have to do it? <laughs> well, in Canada, <laughs> we do drink a lot of beer, so Parties. we may have to suck some beer out. Get going to the oil. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll have to, well, maybe we'll have to show the video. Uh, no, no, we're, 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 we're getting there. Hold on a second. Just, uh, okay. Yep. Yep. Is this something you do in the ER or is this something you do in the field? Some that you had to do in the field somewhere. Yeah. So, um, typically it, you're probably going to do it in the ER. Um, most ER physicians are trained in the procedure. Um, the EMS, uh, paramedics and stuff. They're not actually trained in that procedure. So they probably would not be doing it in the field. All right. Let's see what we have here. Kip. Here's a video that demonstrates the procedure. Oh, okay, now, that's the sound probe there. One thing I want to point out here is that this is done in the cardiac cath lab most often. Um, but, uh, just because it's done in the cardiac cath lab doesn't mean that we use x-ray. There are some procedures done in the cath lab that, you know, the x-ray machine isn't used. And so a lot of times this is done under ultrasound guidance. And so this could be done at the bedside, you know, if the ultrasound machine were taken to the bed. Um, but a lot of times it's just done in the cath lab just because um, that's what's familiar, that, you know, we've got the table, we've got the, we've already got the sterile drapes that you need, you know, the, the, the chloroprep, you know, all of the prep, and um, also then the scrub assistant is already there. I mean, the, you know, everything's just all set up already. So a lot of times they're done in the cath lab, but um, do understand that this is done with ultrasound guidance. So anyway, it's showing the needle just going in. Of course, the skin has been cleaned and prepped here. The needle's going in and... Um, so do we pour beer, whiskey on the skin? Because when we're going to do this... It would be it. a great sanitizer. Okay. Yes, yeah, so especially that fourteen percent beer that Glenn is drinking. drinking. Yeah. Okay. Glenn's not going to want to waste it though. Then once yeah. the needle is in place, they 
put a syringe on it and start pulling back. This is kind of oh, neat because this is like an inside. Ooh, nice. So this is the heart, and it's getting ready to see that there's just the thorax. But then this is below. That's the heart. Holy shit! Holy shit! That's You're a close. good. Thing. Is this the video you met? Okay, so here. No, but this is a good one. <laughs> is that his belly button? And so now no, no. If it is, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> so this is what you're talking about. It's going to be bloody, but it's not going to be blood, right? Exactly. It's like pinkish. Yeah. yeah. And that is a pericardiocentesis. It looks like a sour, like a raspberry sour. <laughs> exactly, a raspberry sour. <laughs> it's one of Tommy's best. Good point. Oh. Kip, the two times you had to do this was someone in like life or death situation. Yeah, the one uh, one I recall the most. Uh, there were um, and. It sometimes can happen in dialysis patients. They get uh, renal failure and they oh, have hemoglobin. And this one was in a cardiac arrest uh, up on the floor that I went to. I think it was in residency. And um, so we decided to do pericardiocentesis because we kind of suge- we suspected that's what it was. Took the fluid off and she actually got a heartbeat back. I don't recall that she actually, she had other issues that she probably succumbed from, but we were able to actually get the heart to beat again, which was good. Were you shitting yourself when you had to do this procedure? Uh, it, you know, it, it's kind of, you get some good sphincter tone there and, um, <laughs> sphincter tone. It's, it, you know, it's one of those things you, just don't, you don't think about it. You just kind of do it. And so when we do it, we shouldn't just think, just don't think about it. Just go yeah, for it. Just don't go be for nervous. It. You, you've, had, you've had your training. You guys are good. You're solid. Just do it. Now, Kip, you alluded to after Dave's question that this is more about missionary, but to me, it felt like that one was that that video is more of cowgirl classic. <laughs> is that yeah? <laughs> yes. So I guess it's curious. Yeah. In, in any um, look that procedure. Up. That you learned um, it, the the mantra for when you're training as a as a physician is you see one you do one and you teach one. So you guys have seen one. Now it's time to do one, and then you'll teach one. All right, excellent, nice. excellent work again, Doctor Hog. Anytime. Recording stopped. The recording has stopped. <laughs> Okay, Mike, let's talk hops. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mike T's World of Hops. This week, Mike, in honor of soon-to-be-gone Pittsburgh Brewery, Roundabout, will tell us about Motueka. You know what feels like Kip should probably do his segment last because it's kind of hard to follow that. <laughs> it's a tough follow That's Mike. exactly why we're not no, doing it last. Know, it really... And this is not an ode to hops as much as it is an ode to uh, roundabout because it's a brewery that's opened in Barnesville in 2013. And uh, Steve and Diana, Diana's from, uh, from New Zealand, from the South Island in New Zealand. And Steve met her. I can't remember along the way, but uh, the, the two of them are just super people a quirky but an incredibly cool couple and they open up roundabout and uh steve has infused a lot of uh new zealand hops into his beers along the way uh one of which i had today going there this was the last day that the uh lawrenceville location will be open they're still going to do the the pop-up uh in north side uh, but the the original Lawrenceville location, they're changing hands. And so Motueka is a New Zealand hop. It'll give you some various flavors. You, you'll, you'll get a little grassiness. You'll get a little bit of uh, tropical fruit. You'll get, uh, yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll see it there. It's, it's, you know, it's a great hop, but it's what, roundabout and Steve has done with hops and barley and water and yeast over the years that, uh, that just makes me want to 
uh, truly say how appreciative I am of, uh, of their space and what they've brought to the Pittsburgh beer scene. So this is definitely not about the hops. It's about roundabout and the people. So that's it. Looks like they took their logo inspiration from that uh, PowerPoint presentation. we just <laughs> <laughs> So are they closing the whole thing or just a tasting room or. They are transitioning or transferring the, the brewery in Lawrenceville, uh, right at 49th and Butler. They're transferring it to actually one of the brewers who worked at, uh, at, uh, dancing gnome, but they are still going to contract brew through another brewery and, um, and operate out of their, uh, their pop-up location, which is on the North shore, just up the river from the, uh, the casino. Uh, so they'll still have a space, but I think their long-term plans are to go back to New Zealand. They both love New Zealand. Diana's from there. Steve loves it there. And so they're going to go back to New Zealand. They just did not want to, uh, extend their lease in Lawrenceville because they were coming up on the end of their lease and are like, yeah, we're not going to be here for another three years. Let's just transfer all this over to somebody and we'll do our thing for another year or two. And then we'll go back to New Zealand. So that's kind of where they are now. Hey, hey Jack, can you go back to that last uh, spot? Just the not, prior one? The, yeah. The prior one. Is this literally, is that the amount you can purchase of the hops? I'm, Oh, yeah. oh, up here. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, you can, you can get hops on the spot market, they call it. Uh, so hops are sold either by contract okay, or you, you have a set price or, you know, uh, or, uh, or on the spot market where, you know, you're basically buying it, whatever, for whatever the price is at that moment. But so, you're, so this, this one says two ounce, I mean, is it two? I mean, how much? What is, what is two ounces? I mean, obviously, sixteen ounces would. But what's how much? How much hops do you need for a batch? Well, it depends on what size brew or what size uh, 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 system you have. But we could, you know, uh, at Dancing Gnome, if you're doing a say a ten barrel batch, we could do four pounds per barrel or four pounds per, uh, yeah, four pounds per barrel. So for a 10 barrel batch, you could have 40 pounds of hops. Okay. So decent sized breweries will go to the growers and walk the fields and sort of say, okay, sort of like what people who make wine, but don't grow grapes do. They'll go and they'll, they'll, they'll contract for the hops or they'll contract for the grapes. And then, and, and that happens in, Typically in August, September, that's when the hop harvest is. And so you'll, you'll hear a lot of brewers at the, at a certain size where they'll say, are you going out to selection? Yeah, I'm going to go in late August, early September, and they'll go out to the Yakima Valley and they'll, they'll actually go out, sample the hops and say, yeah, we want a little bit of this. We want a little bit of that. We want a little bit of that one. Cause they'll have acres and acres and acres of hops and it's terroir and Jack, you can probably talk about terroir a lot better than I can, but it's, you know, the nature of the ground underneath can influence the flavor and the uh, viability of the hops. And they grow a lot of Chinook in Yakima Valley, right? They do. Yeah. We'll never talk about that. Hop. Chris coming down the road. Yeah. We're going to talk about okay. Chinook. Well, Montueka then, uh, being out of New Zealand, you harvest those hops again in, uh, in March or April? Exactly. Good call. Good point. Yeah, because it's the opposite of our year, yeah. And can you, only, can you only get that hop from New Zealand? Yes. Well, I mean, as it is, the Motueka, yeah. Uh, and Motueka and Chris, you maybe you've been there. Uh, Motueka is a city in on the South Island of uh, New Zealand. I've been in the South Island, but I've never heard of Motueka. So yeah. I'll have to look that one up. How about Motueka? I, I've heard a lot, of the, a lot of that South Island. But, I mean, there's tons of little, little towns in the lakes. Beautiful place. 
Chris, do you have hamsters that roll a ball <laughs> to control your router? Why? Did you heard nothing I said? No, we heard a few things. A lot of rolled R's in that. All right, let's uh, let's hear what Dave's talking, watching on TV. This is you should be watching this show, featuring veteran TV producer and celebrity Dave Rhodes, brought to you by Dancing Gnome Brewery. I'm still waiting for this Dancing Gnome Brewery to to pay up here for my sponsoring. I'm just amazed that Dancing Gnome Brewery doesn't sponsor Mike, but it sponsors Dave. <laughs> Fair point. It's yeah. an excellent uh, point there. Dave came out of so the gates hard, though. That's why. What I'm watching this week is I'm actually catching up on season three of Ozark because season four of Ozark has just dropped uh, this past Friday. This is season four of Ozark. It's their final season. They dropped seven episodes. They're splitting their fourth season into two parts. So they dropped seven, and then they're saving seven for some as-yet-determined time, probably in the summer. And uh, I had to watch season three to catch up because I couldn't remember exactly what happened. But uh, great show. If you uh, are into money laundering, it's a nice uh, way to figure out how to do it. And uh, there you go. Ozark. Show. I've, I've watched the first two episodes of season four so far. Have you? No spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. But they, they did do a recap of season three like before they started it, and I don't hardly remember any of it. So yeah, <laughs> It was a while ago. It was watched. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, it's been a long time. I remember the last episode of season three. It was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> Can I share, Dave, if, if you don't mind me, like in uh, taking a moment of your, your spot, one of my favorite lines from uh, Ozark is when, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorites, too. I love that scene. That's the best scene. They actually said, oh, shit, quite a bit. Yeah, lots. <laughs> Yes, that's Especially just, the little blonde. That was Jason Bateman's <laughs> oh, yeah. all the time. The, the little blonde, yeah. No, oh, all right. Remind me then. All right, let's go through this. I'll just drag it out. Uh, who was the band? It wasn't REO Speedwagon. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was REO Speedwagon. REO Speedwagon, when their their manager went, because he's like, they're going to play REO's. REO Speedwagon is going to play at the new uh whatever resort or, or, uh, mm-hmm. the, the riverboat casino, the River. riverboat casino. And, uh, and so, uh, Jason Bateman is like trying to talk him into like, so we're talking about, it. he's like, uh, hold on. Let me talk to Kevin. Kevin, he wants to launder money for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was trying to talk all these different schemes and yeah, way, yeah, I'm right. going to give you a lot of money. You can rent yeah. the equipment. And then he's like, yeah, let me talk to Kevin. Kevin, yeah. they want to launder money. They want to launder money. He's like, yeah, Kevin's cool. in. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dave, they're only doing the one more season. So season four, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four, four A, four B, I think. Right. Yes. Fourteen yeah. episodes. So get it while it lasts. I guess. Uh, I, I guess they I didn't think you know dragging out more than four seasons of money laundering because that's a pretty dark show, especially yeah. the last year or two. It's just not. It's not a fun watch. It's kind of depressing. So for sure. I think they filmed all 14 though, right? So they're all done, right? Yeah, I guess they yeah. wrapped up filming in the fall of the last few episodes. So they're thinking by summer, those should be ready to go. I always watch it hoping that we'll see something that was close to our lake house in Arkansas. But I think they filmed the whole thing in Missouri, as I recall. When I remember reading it was in the, the Missouri part of the Ozarks, not where we were. Is that where you were heading into? Were you heading into the Ozark? Well, we were, yeah, we, well, we came through there that, on that, that on Kip's birthday that year and um, stayed at that house in Springdale, Arkansas on the lake there. Those big shots of Ozark are nice. I mean, oh, it was beautiful. That house we had. Yeah, that's gorgeous. I think they shoot the show in Georgia. Yeah, but I mean, some of the lake, oh, up in Hiawassee where we came through um, on the last trip. Yeah. Yeah, that one surprised me. Well, Chris, Chris, hot in Georgia. Chris went there last year, right? Wasn't that where you went and you ditched us? Yeah, we um, That's right. we headed down. Uh, went to um, uh, 
uh, what the hell's the name of it? Uh, the place that the guy, ba- the uh, Bass Pro Masters, that guy yeah. owns a big resort down there, you know. The big, on the big the train one, right? Yeah, the train. You had the train house or something? Yeah, we had, uh, well, we had, a, we had a house that had like five bedrooms, and then we had, um, uh, it was called Caboose Landing or something, and we had like six cabooses on the property down by the river, along okay. with that big uh, five-bedroom house, so. Sounds like a really bad nice. So I just want to jump to soccer real quick. I know Glenn hates this, but let's go there real quick just to congratulate Pat because uh, Pat now has tied bangers and trash for the most own goals. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a clip of the week? I don't have a clip of the week. I, I got to this too late. Too much yard work today. I think I, I picked up that defense because they were playing two games in each of the past two sessions, and I thought I could get extra points off them. And in both both weeks, they've given up an own goal. <laughs> Didn't I have chances of the own goal? I thought I had a second own goal last week with um, Michael Keane. We'll add one for you if you yeah, want. Yeah, well, if you want, that. but no, no. it must not have been in your lineup. Well, no, you're no, you had a player who got an own goal, but that doesn't count against you. It's only the team own oh, goal. Okay. Yeah, it's only the team own goal. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I yeah, I remember. The, the I, yeah, I remember when you texted that. Yeah. Oh well, yay me! I'm still in last place. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'll say, Jack. Despite my own goal, I am still climbing the standings. Yeah, absolutely. You had a good week. Sniffing fifth yeah. place. Yeah, you had a good week. Yeah, because because there was a moment when I think Pat and I were within 15 points of each other. Now he's shit. 80, whatever up. Yeah, it, well, it compressed a little bit this week because yeah. Jerry or uh, Jerry had a good week, Kip had a pretty good week, and then Ralph had a great week. Yeah. Ralph had a big 120-some point week, I think. I had an awesome day on Saturday. I think I had 53 points, but uh, that fell off today. Well, Jerry started the week off with that um, Friday second yellow card, red card. Got him off to a flying start. I was like, uh-oh, he might catch me this week. Because I think he actually got within like 20 or 30 of me at one point. Yeah, yeah. So, so is that player out for a couple games then? Uh, the next game. Just one game? Yeah, that was Emmanuel one Dennis, game. so it's one of his better yeah, forwards. It's, he's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to replace a forward. Oh, yeah. They are tough to find. That dude was really pissy that game for some reason. That game today got a little scrappy at the end. The Chelsea-Tottenham game. Tottenham looked terrible. Again. Again, yeah, exactly. What, what is going they're on? That, they're not that good. They're not. No, it, it's it's all about Son and Harry Kane, and if they aren't in it, it doesn't. they're gone. Yeah, they really don't have a midfielder. I mean, you think about the best teams, they have good midfielders who control yeah. the – the tempo. That's what I've sort of learned watching this, and they don't have any of that. In fact, I didn't even think the announcers said that they're the midfielders for Chelsea are just so much. Yeah. That sh- that that first goal, that shot was crazy good. Mm-hmm. Did you did you, uh, did you guys see the JoJo Selby goal uh, or Shelby goal? Saw the highlight of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a guy I had like mid season. I was like, oh yeah, I'm picking up him. He had like three goals in two games. And that's then I, I freaking bump him. That's what I forgot was the Stephen the, the Mike T's regret of dropping Stephen Berwin. Stephen Bergwine. Yeah. yeah. That's what With I those forgot. two late goals. Two weeks ago. Two goals. Yep. Or, the goal by Chelsea that was Zykem Hitchek or whatever. Yeah. That was amazing. That was a great Hakeem. shot. Hakeem. I bet you in Arabic that's sounded, that goal sounded great. Hiya, 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 hiya. <laughs> Mike, you have a lot of soccer regrets. Uh, I've been trying to play catch up and so everybody I pick up I dump and they score but you're really dropping far down there Mike you're you're a distant eighth eighth now like you're really I'm I'm, I'm a secluded eighth you're you're going to relegation uh, here soon old boys (laughs) old boys are 20 behind but yeah I mean shit yeah, there's there's a lot of space between. But don't let Chris catch you. Yeah, I'm just hoping to pass man. I saw by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, but you'll lose that on the last place money if you do that. Yeah, you, yeah. There's there's 25 bucks there at the bottom. Hey, well, 
I forgot about last place money, but man, I, I'm trying. I'm putting a team together every uh, every week, but yeah. Bruce, what's up with the name change? What do you mean? I'm just trying to change things up, give myself uh, you know, some sort of luck somewhere. Was Why that about the hop? Is Chinook about the hop? Yes, it was. Yeah, whenever you said you'd never uh, need not Chinook, I decided to switch over to it, so it was always there in the background. <laughs> and, and and that wasn't my decision, by the way. <laughs> I guess that's probably true. Jack, do you want to comment on that? You got to listen long into the. You got to listen to a long way into that uh, New Year's Eve one to hear that. New Year's Eve, exactly. <laughs> That's two hours of time. You got to invest to hear that one. I invested about 20 minutes and I heard a, enough of it. And that's why I changed the name. Oh, that's okay. wow. Hard criticism. Yeah, that's all right. Michael, this is a good one. Uh, Glenn's changing the subject. Oh, dragon milk. Yeah, I agree. Is that real dragon milk from yeah. a dragon? Yes. <laughs> All right, so it's time to put pressure on. It's, it's time to put pressure on Glenn. So we have seven for the Champions League. We need eight. <laughs> all you got to do is take a team. You got to take two teams. It's a two-round oh, draft, uh, oh, and all no. you get are teams. You don't even get any players. Oh, I want no part of this. Really? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> what oh, am I? Yeah. yeah. You know, Jackie can throw out the bottom two Champions League teams. I'm sure they're not going to do anything. I know, I know. Uh, let me pick on Ben on Glenn's behalf. I'll put in his money. Oh, wow. All right, well, then you're out, Glenn. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we need to talk about that. So, um, so it's the six of us minus Glenn, well, the seven of us minus Glenn, and then Dave Locke are the seven that are in. Um and so I'm going to shoot off. I actually already built the sort of like the database to try and keep track of the scoring. Um, so I'll shoot some of that stuff off in the next week, but we need to pick a day to it's February yeah, 15th or something. Yeah. How are we doing this? We're getting two teams, but how are we doing scoring? Well, that's what I wanted to, I, I need to shoot off what my ideas are so that we have something to uh, actually base our conversation on. Okay. Um, I figured we'd just go with whoever won of the teams we picked. You think? I didn't know they were scoring. Uh, I thought we'd do points. Well, I think own goals have to be. Yeah, nice. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. And, and, and corner kicks. Pat. Corner kicks earned, right? I mean, that's got to be a scoring category. Uh, well, <laughs> of course, corner kicks. You know, I said there's only two Scott. categories. Corner kicks and own goals. That's the only corner two categories. Corner kicks category. and own goals. <laughs> An offside. An offside. An offside, yes. So the winner could be in the minus. Yes. Whoever's least minus. That would be fun. (laughs) Do you want to actually see what I'm thinking about? Yes. Glenn does, I can tell. Do I have time to get a beer? Yeah, you got plenty of time. We're gonna we're gonna have a big moment of silence here while I'm figuring it out. Glenn's drinking high alcohol. While you're you're doing that, I just wanted to make one one other point about the, the Ozark thing. Dave, you'll appreciate this, and Mike would probably appreciate this too. I don't, I don't have any interest in money laundering as of right now, but I've learned so much about money laundering between Ozark and that anti-money laundering class that we have to do at PNC every year. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I could do it pretty successfully. At this point. <laughs> they're teaching you some skills. Yeah, they're teaching me skills. That, that anti-money laundering thing we do every year is so interesting. It really gives you a lot of tips. It does. There's a lot of tips in there. Yeah, it's really good. If you had a choice between you feeling more confident on the money laundering and getting away with it or the periocardi centers. Money laundering. I think I could get away with money laundering a lot easier. All day long. Yeah. All day, every day. Great question, though. (laughs) It's periocardi centesis. So I, I think that one felt like a, like the, the tracheotomy, I think on a scale of like maybe one to, one to 10 was probably like an eight. Yeah. This one, this one felt nine or 10 ish, you know, like, like, Hey, you, you don't do that one. Right. There's a lot of extreme effects. 